Hey guys, we're back with another episode um, for some news updates for you guys. As always, we're going to be starting off with Mexico. The National Commission for Human Rights opens an investigation for Victoria's femicide in Tulum, Contino. The National Commission for Human Rights opened an investigation file in the investigation of the femicide of Victoria Esperanza Salarza, a Salvadorian migrant who died in, the, in Tulum, Contino, after the police detained her with excessive brutality. It was Saturday when elements of the Tulum police got a report of disorder on the public road and arrested Victoria Esperanza Salarza. The 36-year-old Salvadorian woman was subjected to the ground and according to medical opinions, she suffered a fracture in the upper part of her spine caused by the rupture of the first and second vertebrae, which caused her death. After her death, there were several manifestations across the country and in El Salvador. This story is sim eerily similar to the one of George Floyd in the United States, which reminds us that police brutality doesn't only exist in Mexico and the United States, but also many other countries. Mexico adds 202,000 deaths for, um, for COVID-19. The Ministry of Health reported on Saturday that the number of deaths of COVID-19 in Mexico up until March 30th was 807 deaths which were confirmed in the last 24 hours. In Mexico, almost 10% of the confirmed cases are also confirmed deaths. But the number is not accurate since the COVID-19 may represent an increment of 70% of total deaths in Mexico in the same time period. Moving over to Guatemala, Guatemala has approved the use of force against the migrant caravan. Approximately 400 migrants left a caravan to the United States from northern Honduras, and the government of Guatemala has approved the state of prevention that approves the use of force on its border with Honduras to prevent the entry of a new caravan of migrants that left the country on Tuesday in their attempt to reach the United States, according to the Guatemalan government. The caravan will create a citizen security crisis upon entering and moving through the country, which would complicate the epidemiological situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. Last week, we spoke about a volcano eruption in Pacaya. That explosion now threatens a community in Guatemala. The lava has put the um, El Pratesino community at risk in the municipality of San Vicente Pacayo, which along with other towns nearby have warning systems and alarm prevention sounds to evacuate if necessary. According to the National Coordinator for Disaster Reduction and the State Institute of Volcanology, the lava flows at 1.5 kilometers away from El Patresino and advances between 50 and 60 meters a day. Moving over to Honduras, life imprisonment for Honduras' president's brother. The judge in the United States sentenced Tony Hernandez, a brother of the Honduran president Juan Orlando Hernandez, to life in prison, plus 30 years for drug trafficking crimes. Judge Kevin Castell delivered the sentence in New York, in a New York court, a year and a half after the trial, which caught the attention of the media, because prosecutors repeatedly mentioned the president during the process, accusing him of accepting bribes from drug traffickers. President Hernandez and the Honduran presidential house have t used Twitter to disapprove the allegations time and again. Held a press conference last week, the president assured the accusations were lies by drug, traf tra drug traffickers and murderers who want to reduce their sentence. Hernandez faces no charges but has been branded a co-conspirator in the case of his brother. According to prosecutors, Hernandez received several payments from drug traffickers in exchange for guaranteeing the protection of the Honduran government. The money prosecutors say was used to finance election campaigns and buy votes from the National Party politicians to help the president and others. Moving over to El Salvador. El Salvador receives 1 million vaccines against COVID-19. El Salvador received its first batch of 1 million vaccines against COVID-19 from the Chinese manufacturer Sin Sinovac, 
which from which 2 million doses have been purchased according to what was published on Twitter on the Twitter account of the President of the Republic, Nebia Bukera. El Salvador and Mexico's relationship is at risk due to the femicide we just spoke about. The femicide of the Salvadorian um, citizen Victoria Esperanza Salaza at hands of municipal police from this demarcation opened a deep wound in the diplomatic relationship between Mexico and El Salvador. His presidents are now trying to rescue from a latent confrontation between the historically twined people. The president of El Salvador, Nabia Bucal, said that Mexican people do, did not commit the crime, but Mexican criminal cops did, and the Mexicans are just as outraged as the Salvadorians. Meanwhile, the president of Mexico promised that this case will not be immune and those responsible will receive the punishment. In the other, in the other hand, most people believe that this is just because the case got a lot of attention, but a lot of cases of police brutality did not um, get the just, justice they deserved. Going over to Nicaragua, prominent opposition peasant leader is shot dead in Nicaragua. Ernesto Joaquin, a political prisoner for months, opposition groups accused a, quote, hitman of the Sandinist dictatorship, end quote, of his death. Ernesto Joaquin, 55 years old, known for his rejection of the government of the president of Nicaragua, Daniel Ortega, was shot dead on Monday by an unknown subject, claimed this Tuesday, March 30th. The Non-Governmental Organization of April Victims Joaquin was already declared an opponent of Ortega in 2018 when he was captured along with the former mayor of Murukuku, Apolnio Farias, and shared with the peasant leader Medirnio Mareña, the most feared dungeon in Nicaragua known as El Infiernidio, or the Little Hell. Upon leaving prison, Fargas received threats that forced him to resign as mayor and leave the country. But Joaquin, who denounced torture and ill treatment in prison, decided to stay in Mucuno, 240 kilometers northwest of Manguinia. Quote, the situation is a result of the pressure from the government, the high level of public insecurity and the absolute impunity that prevails in our country, and which are the fruit of speeches and permanent campaign of hatred that are promoted every day from El Carman, or the mansion of Ortega. The government of Nicaragua organizes a massive events without properly executing medical recommendations due to the pandemic. All over the Suica, Nicaraguan government welcomed Holy Week with massive events, but the attendees did not take the recommended measures to mitigate the COVID-19 pandemic. Vice President Rosario Murillo reported Monday that approximately 440,000 people attended celebrations, including a cumbia concert and merchants fair on the Zinotala prominence of the Mangalia boardwalk. Quote, in the past months, we have seen the suffering and the cost of the population is paid, especially the doctors and paramedics. There are 117 dead between them, and we currently have no evidence that they are going to give us the vaccine, end quote, said the president of the Nicaraguan Medical Union. The Nicaraguan government has not officially recognized figures of health personnel infected or killed by the coronavirus, although President Daniel Ortega assured without giving numbers that several of them have been victims of COVID-19. Moving over to Costa Rica, Costa Rica and Honduras, quote-unquote, compete as countries where corruption is considered the main problem. The pandemic caused by COVID-19 triggered people's concerns regarding the economic situation and unemployment, but 
they did not ignore the perception of citizens of corruption. In fact, rather than reducing it, COVID-19 rather caused concern about corruption to intensify in an area in which Costa Rica, quote-unquote, competes intensely with Honduras. The report on inequality and social discontent published the previous weeks by the Inter-American Development Bank, or I. DB established that for the last part of the previous year, corruption came to be perceived as the main problem in Costa Rica. With this, the country ranked second after Honduras as the two nations where it is concerned the main problem for most people. Moving over to Panama, the Suez Canal puts Panama in a global spotlight. The recent difficulty of translating the Suez Canal has placed attention to the same time the Panama Canal and other regions where the main interregional straits and the sea lanes are located. The underlying question is about the role of maritime channels in future development. Suez and Panama are, con- are key to connectivity for exchange and mobility. They represent places that involve everyone in their neighboring countries, regions, and continents. Global shipping lanes, channels, straits, and other regions are central to the future. Panama's GDP plundered 18% in 2020 due to the pandemic's effect. The Panamanian economy suffered a contraction of 17.9% in 2020 over 2019 hit by the COVID pandemic, according to the Office of Comptroller General of the Republic. Panama's GDP plundered almost 18% in 2020 due to the pandemic's effect. The Panamanian economy suffered a contraction of 17.9% in 2020 over 2019, hit by the COVID pandemic, according to the Office of Comptroller General of the Republic. This is a historic drop exceeding that which was recorded in 1988, when the Panamanians' GDP collapsed by 13.38%. Also, it exceeded the forecast of, 11, of a negative 11% provided by the Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbeans. The negative behavior was a result of the performance of the activities which were affected by the outbreak of the pandemic in March, a situation that lasted for the next nine months of the year. The entity explained that the sanitary containment measures limited many productive sectors due to the reduction of operations of total closures where employment contracts were suspended indefinitely. The most affected sectors were construction, commerce, hotels, restaurants, business services, industry, education, and financial intermediation. Going over to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico seeks to ban the practice of conversion therapy in minors. Puerto Rico has been holding a heated discussion for weeks about the prohibition of so-called conversion or repair therapies in minors. Project 184 of the Senate of Puerto Rico seeks to amend a total of four articles in which four articles into two laws, the medical health law of Puerto Rico and the law for the safety, welfare, and protection of minors. The amendments want to extend the protection to the physical and mental health of minors through the prohib- through the prohibition of aversion or conversion therapies, including all medical and psychotropic practices that try to modify the gender expression, identity, and sexual orientation of minors to confirm them to heteronormative narratives. At the center of the debate, there were are voices of religious groups who argue that the prohibition of conversion therapy in minors would violate freedom of religion. The measure defines as a conversion therapy the, quote, practice or treatment provided by an entity or professional licensed or certified to provide mental health services which seeks to change the sexual orientation or gender identity in an individual. It includes any effort or treatment aimed 
at changing a bodily behavior, expression, or sexual orientation of an individual, as well as eliminating or reducing romantic or sexual attractions or feelings towards individuals of the same gender, end quote. Moving over south to Colombia, a second pilot study of fracking approved in Colombia. The National Hydrocarbons Agency confirmed this Tuesday of March 30th that it has granted the endorsement of the multinational ExxonMobil to carry out a fracking research project in the sedimentary basin of the middle Magandelia Valley in which the second pilot of this unconventional type of extraction in the country shall take place. According to information from El Inspector, the approval came after a bid between the U.S. oil company, which presented a project of $53 million, and the Colombian Ecopetrol, which submitted a proposal of $76.7 million. This type of initiative has been celebrated by the current government, which hopes that the fracking will help extend the country's energy capacities for some 20 more years, while attracting foreign investment of an estimated $400 million and generating a tax collection of about $320 million in Colombian pesos. Colombia will also plan to build 16 new wind farms in 2020. The Colombian government announced the construction of 16 new wind farms in the Department of Guajiria. The developments will translate into the formation of 11,000 new jobs, and it is expected that around 10 billion Colombian pesos will be received in investments. In 2021, the tower and wind turbine will be arriving for the construction of the first parts. As parts of the efforts between the Ministry of Mines and Energy and the private initiative in favor of the energy transition, in addition, this collaboration will also bring investments to improve the quality of life of the locals. In line with wind energy, six new solar parks will also be developed in Colombia, and they will also be in charge of they will also be in the charge of Ecopetrol Group and the Department of Meta, Julia, Antiquino, and Bolivar. Together, these six new parks will have an installment energy capacity of 45 megawatts, enough to energy to supply roughly 49,000 inhabitants, according to Ecopetrol. Moving next door to Venezuela, Venezuela and Russia strengthened relations with signing of 12 new agreements. Venezuela strengthened its relationship with Russia on Tuesday, March 30th, by signing 12 agreements in financial, energy, commercial, military, food, health, and other fields during the visit to Caracas by Russian Deputy Prime Minister Yuri Bulsuf, who was received by President Nicolas Maduro. The president did not offer details of these agreements, but referred to Bolsivo's announcement that the country will do everything possible to increase the supply of anti-COVID vaccines to Venezuela, and thanked him for that. Maduro stressed that his relationship with Russia has been exemplary, and that it is an example of how the multipolar world works. In addition, he pointed out a great achievement of Russia and Venezuela for the OPEC Plus alliance, constituted by the countries that are in the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and those that are not members. He indicated that the alliance was the one that allowed the market to stabilize for three years and is now seeking its strength amid the pandemic. Suspension of Maduro's Facebook, a master move by Facebook? The Venezuelan president was suspended from the social media platform for promoting a drug against COVID-19 without scientific basis, something that he takes advantage of and presents himself as a victim of dig digital totalitarianism. Finally, Mark Zuckerberg's social network has suspended the president's account for a month, and after he assured that Cartibar, also known as Jose, Jose Guillermo Hernandez's miracle drops, is effective against COVID-19. Let's remember that it's not. 
the first time that the president of Venezuela presents fake or disoriented information related to the pandemic in his Facebook account and other medias. The internet and social networks have gained importance in the Venezuelan political scene, among other things due to the increase in censorship inside and outside of that network. And the regime is fully aware of this. At least 25 digital media outlets were blocked in 2020, the year in which the arrest of journalists also increased, according to the data from the Press and Society Institute. But Maduro accuses Facebook of digital totalitarianism regardless. Going over to Ecuador. The scandal of the vaccinated gold in Ecuador. In times of extreme inequality, the global pandemic's electoral campaigns from Madrid to Quinto revolve around the same issues in the first place. The gradual privatization is already set in Ecuador, which transmits the idea that privatizers do not recognize what is happening, at least not in public health. And secondly, the slow implementation of the vaccine program aggravated in the Ecuadorian case by a scandal in which a group of elite politicians, businessmen, and journalists, and so-called gold vaccines, have received preferential treatment. To date, only 0.7% of Ecuadorians have actually been vaccinated despite the seriousness of the health crisis, where hospitals are on the brink of collapse and quarantine measures could further wreck the economy. The fear of an increase of coronavirus cases in Ecuador returns, one year after the worst stages of the pandemic. The alarms have been turned on again, one year after the worst moment of the pandemic and even abandoned on the streets of Guadquilio, according to authorities in March 2021, 25% more deaths are registered in the country than the same month as last year, which is quite critical, and 40% more than that of the third month in 2019. Given the increase in cases and death, the national COE announced some restriction measures for the Easter holiday, which start on Thursday, April 1st. Vehicular mobility was restricted, establishing that cars with odd number plates will not be able to circulate on Thursday and Saturday, while even number plates will be able to circulate on Friday and Sunday. The prohibition of the sale and consumption of alcohol was also ordered from 6 p.m., and the closure of beaches was requested at the Cantonalto municipality of COE and the coast region. In addition, mass events were suspended. Let's remember that in April of 2020, Ecuador mainly Guadalquilio was considered one of the epicenters of pandemic in Latin America due to the entire collapse of the healthcare system and funeral homes. Moving over to Brazil, multiple resignations of the military leadership of Brazil for the first time in history due to his disagreements with the president. The Brazilian armed forces experienced an unusual shock on Tuesday with the simultaneous resignation of their three military chiefs. One day after the replacement of the Ministry of Defense, Fernando Azenvino de Sevilla, the ministry, the ministry announced that the commanders of the Army, Navy, and Aviation also leave the position. The Defense Ministry reported in an official note that the three high commands will be replaced and stressed that the decision was communicated this Tuesday in a meeting with Braga Nito. The departure of the commanders is seen as an act of protest against Avendino's summary resignation. It is the first time that all three commanders of the armed forces have left their positions at the same time due to disagreements with the President of the Republic. Moving to some news about coronavirus in Brazil, the COVID kit promoted by Bolsonaro against the coronavirus is associated with an increased risk of death. 
Despite being defended by the president of Brazil, Joe Bolsonaro, the so-called COVID kit or early treatment for the coronavirus contributes to an increasing number of deaths in critical patients, according to doctors responsible for intensive care units consulted by the BBC. More than a year after the start of the pandemic in the South American nation, Bolsonaro continues to support the use of drugs such as hydrochloroquine and IV meticin, even though several investigations indicate that these drugs are not effective in the treatment of COVID-19. For 15 to 20% who need hospitalization, these drugs can complicate treatment and contribute to their own death. Brazil has the second highest number of confirmed infections and deaths in the world behind the United States. In total, the country registered more than 11.6 million infections, around 282,000 deaths until March of 16th. The recent increase in cases is attributed to the spread of a highly contagious variant of the virus. Now Brazil is at the main epicenter of a pandemic in the world. Going over to its neighbor of Bolivia, they have announced that they will close their border with Brazil for the next seven days. The Department of Health and Services, headquartered in Santa Cruz, announced this Wednesday that the border with Brazil will be closed for seven days in coordination with the nation's authorities, given the increase in cases in the Brazilian variant. In addition, it was pointed out that although the authorities have already made the decision, the matter will be specified in a meeting with the ministerial cabinet scheduled for this Wednesday, where the conditions and dates for the closures of the borders will be defined. The Municipal Emergency Operations Committee, or COEM, of San Ingasino de Valsinio and the government of Santa Cruz requested a closure of 15 days to avoid the collapse of hospitals because the Brazilian strain is more contagious and lethal than others already discovered. Bolivia bets on biosecurity to reactivate its tourism. As a consequence of the pandemic, Bolivia received some 300,000 international visitors in 2020, which means only 25% of the tourists who arrived in the country in 2019. And from last November to today, it only recovered 20% of its domestic. For this reason, the government decided to undertake a reactivation process through three axes, training, biosafety, and segmentation, in addition to various initiatives for demand. The internal institutional crisis, the expansion of the second wave, and the new strains of Brazil and other neighbors in the economic crisis seriously affected domestic tourism, which is recovering very slowly. In the first place, work is being done to identify foreign emerging demand segments to promote destinations when sa- sanctuary conditions allow it. In the sense, a key milestone will be this Easter, for which it is precisely seeking to motivate the domestic and other two pillars of the training of the sector to face this new normal and linked to this, the third is biosecurity. Throughout the tourist chain, in this context, Vice Minister said that around 700 tourist service providers in Bolivia, especially guides, have participated in training and the application of protocols and regulations so that they can have a certification to offer biosecure tourism. Going down to Chile, is this a human right or is it a private good? Chile goes from the most privatized water system in the world. The management of the dwindling water reserves has become such an important element of Chile that the South American nation will give the resource to its ministry. The government sent a bill to Congress to transform the Ministry of Public Works into the Ministry of Public Works and Water Resources, an entity that will supervise and coordinate the 43 institutions in Chile in charge of water. Although blatantly for water rights advocates and government is trying to improve oversight of perhaps the most privatized water system in the world, Massive riots among Chileans 
over inequalities, the world drought, and more than a decade, and the climate change combined to make water a key issue for the process of drafting a new constitution, and parallel legislators are debating changes in the law on the use of water. In Chile, the law established the water is good for public use. The human consumption must be privatized, but the constitution also considers water a private property. A study by the Center of Water Law and Management of the Catholic University has shown that among 92 constituents, 31 do not mention water, 10 established that water is a human right, and Chile is the only one that explicitly concentrates private property over water use rights. Over to Argentina, the Argentine providence that wants to become a new country in South America. The National Deputy of the Federal Unit of Development, José Luis Ramón, seeks that citizens of Mendoza and Argentina define what they want from their providence. Although a referendum or popular consultation in the next legislative election, the foregoing after the initiative of the former governor and head of national UCR, Alfredo Conjero, on the possibility of an independent Mendoza. It is a non-binding constitutional action against the it is a non-binding constitutional action against the insistence of a radical ex-president of an eventual independence of a land from the sun, good wine, and knowledge, who has repeatedly asserted that the idea of the separation from this country. In recent months, this plan also began to have an echo on local politics outside the radicalism, now the eminent presentation of the Mindo Exit Party. Argentina's debt to the IMF is unpayable, at least according to Alberto Fernandez. President Alberto Fernandez said on Saturday that Argentina's debt with the International Monetary Fund is unpayable under the conditions in which it was agreed. So his government is negotiating to change the terms. Last week, the Ministry of Economy, Martin Guzman, traveled to Washington to meet with the IMF authorities. In a statement at the end of the visit, the multilateral body noted that there was a common understanding regarding the need to guarantee macroeconomic sustainability and to safeguard the ongoing post-COVID recovery. Argentina must pay the IMF $3.5 billion this year, another $18 billion in 2020, and $19 billion in 2023. Argentina received $44 million from the IMF within the framework of a $57 million program signed in 2019 by the government of Mauricio Mareque, whose time was from 2015 to 2019, which is seeking a new credit agreement with the financial institution. Going over to Paraguay, the U.S. warns of the murder of girls in the North, corruption, arbitrary detention, and manipulated justice. The Office of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor of the United States Department of State's issued a harsh report questioning alleged violations and abuses by the government of Mario Abdo Bendiza, among which they cite, for example, widespread corruption. The murder of two girls in an operation in the north of the country, complaints of an arbitrary detention, alleged torture, lack of guarantees for the, excessive, for the exercise of journalism, and also questioning the lack of independence of the judicial power. Important human rights issues include the alleged murder of minors during a security operation, complaints of torture and cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment by the security forces, harsh and sometimes life-threatening prison conditions, arbitrary arrest and detention, sustainable problems with the independence of the judici judiciary, violent intimidation of journalists by organized crime groups, 
widespread corruption at all branches and levels of government, lack of investigation and accountability for issues related to violence against women and child labor, particularly in domestic service and informal agriculture. End quote. Highlights the summary, the main issues questioned by the Abdul government. In this sense, they recalled that justice is subject to prosecution by politicians because they consider that the greatest source of pressure comes from Congress. Another case of alleged police abuse is related to the military operation in Cuidad del Estate, which last year made a series of arrests and alleged abuses even considered possible torture in search of alleged smugglers after the murder of one of their comrades during the night operation of the Barnaya River. And lastly, to Uruguay. Spain delivers to Uruguay a former colonial wanted for genocide and for his responsibility in the Condor Plan. Agents of the National Police have handed over to the Uruguayan authorities the 73-year-old former um, Colonel Edward Augusto Ferrero Besario, who was wanted for crimes of genocide and against humanity committed between the 1970s and 1980s and responsible for the so-called Operation Condor in Latin American country. The accused, known by the alias of Guillermo and Oscar, was arrested on January 2018 in Castellón town of Pentecostalia. The Uruguayan judicial authorities accuse him of having illegally detained, tortured, and disappeared young militants of organizations opposed to the military government of Uruguay and forced between 1973 and 1985, whose activity was essentially the distribution of propaganda and the organization of demonstrations and political meetings. For these events, the formal colonel is accused of crimes of genocide and against humanity. The detainee was allegedly one of those responsible in Uruguay for the Operation Condor, a systematic attempt to end political dissonance in Latin America hatched during the period of military dictatorships that followed one another in the 1970s and early 1980s. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed and learned a little bit of something. Please don't forget to follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcast. And I'll see you guys next week.